Good evening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Thank you for coming back and joining me on what's going to end up being our final episode of Next on the Tee for, for 2017. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and boy, we are going to close out the year and really grand style. I've got three guests tonight that I simply can't wait to share with you. First up with me tonight is going to be Brian Anderson. Brian has done so many great things in broadcasting. This is too long to go through, even if I just dedicated the whole hour talking about all the things that Brian has done. Fans of the Milwaukee Brewers know Brian as their play-by-play announcer. Brian spent a few years with the Golf Channel broadcasting tournaments for them. He's done play-by-play for the NCAA basketball tournament for the NBA. He's got the NBA coming up uh, Thursday night on TNT. We'll talk about that. He's also broadcast some NFL games. Going all the way back to his time in college, he played catcher at uh, St. Mary's University. So the the resume is very long and very distinguished for Brian. And uh, as our friend Keith Hirschland said uh, this week out on Twitter, Brian is the best in the business. So you know we got a lot to get into with Brian when he joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from TaylorMade Golf CEO David Abelese. I'll talk with David about, you know, some last-minute gift ideas, right, for the golfers in our lives. Maybe some great TaylorMade items you can buy for yourself, sort of a Merry Christmas to me present. Also talk to David about their golf balls, the TP5 and the TP5X, which are fantastic, oh, by the way. Plus, we'll also look ahead to what uh, they might be revealing to the world next month at the PGA Merchandise Show. So uh, an additional great deal of things to get into with David when he joins me about 25 minutes from now and then i'm going to close out tonight's show and 2017 the best way i could and that's with a return visit from mr ben wright mr wright has come to mean a great deal to me both on and off the show we'll hear more of his great stories we'll talk about the outstanding surprise 85th birthday party that they threw for him back in september we'll also talk about the work he did redesigning his golf course cliffs valley up in uh, south carolina they redid that course this summer we'll talk about that and uh, a whole lot more he's got so many great stories So a lot to get into with Mr. Wright as well. So a lot of great stories coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me over the next hour. And as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonier about all the great things they got going on up there this winter. When planning your next golf buddy trip, consider something completely different for 2018 at French Lick Resort. The Eagles, Birdies, and Pigeons Package. That's right, Pigeons. Take your best shot with a day at our Pete Dye course, a day at our Donald Ross course, then top it off with an outing at our new Sporting Clay shooting range. This package is reserved for groups of 12 or more. Just you and a pal craving a world-class golf getaway? Well, our Hall of Fame package can't be beat for a pure golf experience and value. Pete Dye, Donald Ross, and our two historic hotels make a legendary combination. French Lick Resort can also help you bring your game to the next level. Check out our Early Birdies Tune-Up, our Game Changer, and Rapid Recovery Golf Academies. Start making those 2018 plans now with an online visit to FrenchLick.com. French Lick Resort, home of the 2018 Senior LPGA Championship and the Symmetra Tour Donald Ross Classic. Yeah, folks, be be sure to check them out online, FrenchLick.com, to see for yourself. It's a wonderful place, so you'll be very glad you check it out online and you go check out their golf courses as well. Beautiful up there. Again, FrenchLick.com to book your stay. And, folks, have you heard me talking about Clubhub sensors over the last few months? Well, if you haven't, listen up and get ready to discover the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. 
Take the progress that you're making on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have club up sensors on all of my golf clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, uh, since I have put the you know, club hub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I've learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and to the green, but after your round, you can look back at the images and the layout of every hole in the golf course that you just played and see exactly where you hit every shot. No other GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review the round the way that the Club Hub app does. It's available for Androids and iPhones. The app keeps track of your swing speed, your tempo, the angle of attack, plus a 3D view of your swing as well. No other rangefinder can do all that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com and to order your set of Club Hub sensors today and enter the code NEXT, that's N-E-X-T, to get 10% off on all products at checkout. Again, clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code NEXT, and you're going to get the best GPS and swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. Folks, we're also excited to be partnering with the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. They are back with the same great equipment that you know and love without the retail markup that you hate. Now you can buy premium Ben Hogan irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, and bags directly from the factory at prices your wallet's going to appreciate. Visit them online at BenHoganGolf.com or give them a call at 844-53-HOGAN. That's 844-534-6426 to learn more and to order your set today. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their new holiday collection is out. The shift in seasons is an opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. Give your wardrobe a boost of dapper style. They've added some great details, fresh colors, new additions with genuine enduring character. See the new holiday collection by going online to bobbyjones.com. And folks, as you know, we've been partnering with Russ Holden and the folks over at Caddy for a Cure. One of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fancona Anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player, experiencing professional golf as an insider. And in addition to the amazing experience you're going to have, you're going to get a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, which includes Under Armour logoed apparel and an eyewear package, a tour-grade Caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photographs from your day. Go online to caddyforacure.com to learn more. That's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E.com, caddyforacure.com to learn more. All right, folks, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Brian Anderson. Let me give you some more background on Brian. He is from a small town outside of Austin, Texas, and college played catcher for St. Mary's University, where he graduated cum laude with a degree in English communications. Brian has done play-by-play calls for just about every major sport. He's called Little League, Minor League, and, of course, now Major League Baseball for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's worked for TBS covering postseason baseball for both the National League and the American League. He did golf uh, play-by-play announcing for the Golf Channel uh, from the early to mid-2000s. In 2013, he did the Grand Slam of Golf uh, for TNT. He's covered the NCAA basketball tournament. In 2014, he called some of the NFL games for CBS. And the list just goes on and on, folks. And I am so thrilled that he is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Brian, thanks for joining me tonight. Oh, Chris, great, great setup, man. I appreciate that. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. 
So, Brian, as a guy uh, you know, on the outside sort of looking in at your career, boy, I would say this is a guy getting to live the dream. Was, was behind the <laughs> mic in broadcasting your dream, or did you dream about being behind the play-playing catcher? Well, definitely dreamed about uh, playing professionally. That was my uh, that was my number one goal growing up. My brother, um, who's five years older, did play professionally, made it to the major leagues. And, uh, he was always my idol and a guy I looked up to, and I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And um, I realized probably about two years too late that I wasn't going to be good enough to play at the next level. I was a decent college catcher, um, small college catcher. We had a really good team. We were uh, number one in the nation. Um, we went to the College World Series, the NAI World Series. And so I was uh, very happy about my career, but I wasn't next level uh, good to, to go professionally. So then I started scrambling a little bit, and I had always had a knack and always had a want to um, to be a broadcaster. I, I, even at a young age, I would listen to the broadcasters and my dad loved, and my granddad even, they loved listening to games on the radio and, um, growing up in Texas, like I did, you know, there were always games on and, and games on the radio. I loved to take drives and there was something, you know, romantic about listening to baseball on the radio for me. And, um, you know, took my, wife on my on our first date to a ball game and made her listen to the radio broadcast on the way back and so i always had an idea that i wanted to do that and um and i used to do it in the dugouts all the time so i would call play by play i would make up silly stories and backstories about players and get the guys in the dugout laughing and you know and i'd actually do it at home plate uh when i was catching if i knew the hitter you know we we, we cross paths with a lot of the players so if I kind of knew the guy and we may or mess around a little bit, I would, I'd go into a little play by play and I got really good feedback, uh, uh, during those times. And, you know, people were thinking, wow, you're, you're really good at that. You actually sound like you can do this. And so when I realized I wasn't good enough to play, I quickly turned my dial to uh, plan B, which was broadcasting. I actually had an offer to go be a baseball scout. Um, but I had an offer to go work for the San Antonio missions right there in, in San Antonio, where I, I attended college and uh, it was a great opportunity. They moved into a new stadium right after I graduated and they needed a second hand and um, gave me the job. And, and I've been in it ever since I, you know, I was really bad my first few years and had to change how I spoke. I used to speak in a really high voice with a Texas draw, kind of had my jaw locked up like this. And so I had to really clean up some of that, and um, and then that's where it started. So um, that was a dream come true for me. And I really only wanted to be a radio play-by-play announcer. I had no aspirations, uh, as Bubba Watson would say after the Masters win. His dreams didn't didn't go that far. Um, so, and I'd never imagined doing television. Never imagined doing all these other sports. Uh, doing golf, which is another sport I love dearly. And so that, this has all been a bonus uh, all these years. So to to all of those points, Brian, you know, was was San Antonio was that the first was that the first job? Is that the first person they let you get get behind the mic? Well, yeah, yeah, that's the first broadcasting job. So my my career is a little bit odd, unusual, probably singular only to me, which I love about it. But at the time, uh, wasn't uh, the greatest setup. But I, I started even in college. I started as a camera operator. 
So when I went to college in San Antonio, I, I got an internship to work at the local cable company, which had a studio, and that studio produced things like the Mayor's Forum and City Manager's Report, and we, had, we did all these talent shows, Tejano music festivals, things like that. And so I got to be really proficient at um, all facets of television. So when you're doing public access shows and, you know, you're doing a cooking show with uh, some you know, old lady who's coming in with her specialty recipes, you learn how to do graphics and audio and set up the microphones and, and direct and uh, run camera and all that. So I, I got pretty good at it. <clears throat> and I started to, because I was young, still in school, strong, I was still an athlete, I was still playing. Um, I started working for the San Antonio Spurs on their television broadcast. And then the one thing led to another and, you know, by word of mouth, I, started to advance pretty quickly running handheld camera. So I was doing major um, college football events and boxing matches. And, you know, I did the NCAA tournament as a cameraman uh, when it was in San Antonio at the final four in 97. And uh, so I ended up just in a weird way, kind of going through this phase of technical work, which actually helped pay the bills. And I, I made good money doing that. I got, you know, the regular union rates and, um, then this broadcasting job came open, so I kind of attached the, the minor league broadcasting job for six months to the tech work in the other six months. And I did that for five years. I mean, I, I did that on and off. So, you know, half the people I knew knew me as um, a camera operator, handheld camera guy. The other half the people knew me as a future, you know, broadcaster, potential major league broadcaster. And then because I needed more income, I was married and wasn't making much money. I added a third layer, which all made it all come together with, with the golf channel. But I worked at a golf course. So I worked at Hyatt Hill Country in San Antonio, which is a golf Hyatt property. And, and I ran corporate tournaments and folded shirts and made tea times and just did everything that they asked me to do in an hourly wage employee. And um, that, that little $7 an hour job ended up helping me get to the golf channel a few years later. So I did all those things and not thinking, you know, I was going to make it quote unquote, make it in any one area. Always felt like baseball was the area I was going to probably end up thriving, but um, it, it took a long time. I was in the minor leagues for nine years. So Brian, as you, you teased a moment ago, you took a $7 an hour job and somehow you, you made that <laughs> you made your way from there to the golf channel. How did you bridge that? So really, that was um, that that came about. Um, if you were a golf fan and you remember how that that tour, the nationwide tour, is what I ended up covering. It's the Web.com now. At the time, it was the Buy.com tour, had been the Nike tour, and so they had gone through a few title sponsors. Well, they were morphing into this new venture. This nationwide insurance was, you know, spending a lot of money on this tour and. They wanted a little bit of more of a mainstream type sound. I, I had not done golf. Um, I was doing, uh, I was doing the NBA. I was doing as a sideline reporter with the San Antonio Spurs. I was still doing minor league baseball on the radio. And so by by this time, this is 2002. So by this time, I had left all my technical jobs, handheld camera jobs, audio jobs. I was able to move away from those in 99. So I'd been three years as an announcer and I'd shown up on ESPN a few times. 
So they kind of knew me a little bit at the Golf Channel, uh, an executive by the name of Tony Tortorisi. And and you mentioned Keith Herslin, who is the great producer uh, at the Golf Channel. He was the guy who picked me up at the airport. And I'll never forget, uh, I basically got the interview because I had done all this broadcasting in all these mainstream sports, you know, like football and basketball. And I'd work in the NBA and baseball. And so now I had that experience, plus I've worked in the golf business. So that kind of put me a little bit over the top with Golf Channel that they found somebody who's done all these other sports but wasn't a golf-exclusive broadcaster. You know, I, I brought probably a little more energy and pace than what you would hear from a traditional golf announcer. So um, that was really the breakthrough. Keith picked me up at the airport. He said, this is a really unfair thing that's going to happen. We're going to put you in a studio with Laura Ball, and we're just going to turn it on and going to let you go sink or swim, and I'm going to be in your ear, and I'm going to tell you what shot's coming up next. And it had been a tournament that I had never seen. It was actually an LPGA event with Annika Sorenstam. Um, there was a major rules issue, I remember, in the middle of this demo reel, right, that they're showing me, and I'm trying to figure this out on the fly. You know, there was a, <laughs> there was an obstruction piece, and, you know, uh, there was a, a piece of the scoreboard was in her line of fire. And anyway, so <laughs> I'm trying to navigate my way through this whole scene. I'd never called golf uh, on television. I know the sport had been around it and played it. Um, but, you know, I thought I failed miserably. I was just like, well, that's – that's that I'm going to be done with this. So, but to the contrary, it went really well on their end. You know, all the things I didn't know that I felt shaky about context wise that, uh, that I would have learned because I'm a prep announcer. I enjoy the prep. I feel like that's a strength, you know, and I didn't have any prep because I didn't know what it was they were showing. So, um, they felt like they could teach me all of that. And Keith was a great leader in that regard. And, he and Jerry Folds and, and Kurt Byram and Kay Cockrell and Michael Breed, that was our team. And we started the Nationwide Tour, which, if you remember, we brought a little more up-tempo and Keith's fantastic producing. We moved really fast. We hardly walked anybody up any fairway around the green. We were we showed more shots per hour than anybody on television. And we had rock music. We had a little up-tempo music going some original stuff and we were just doing kind of whatever we wanted and we were having fun and we had a great class. You know, we had great players like Zach Johnson and Ryan Palmer and Lucas Glover and, you know, all these guys who have gone on to win tournaments on the big show and, um, you know, win majors. So we, we ended up uh, in a really sweet spot, sweet time for me to kind of own it. And it was something that I owned really for the first time. And, and that, I, I did that for four years, and uh, and then Brewers, the Brewers job came open, and I wanted to get back to what my original goal was is was to do Major League Baseball. So you know, Brian, everybody has sort of a welcome to the bigs sort of moment. You know, whether it was you know in golf or the NBA or baseball. Do you, do you remember? Was, was there a time when you, when you know you thought to yourself, boy? That was tough. Oh, sure. I mean, I have a lot of those stories, you know, nine years in the minor leagues. It sounds sort of fun when you watch Bull Durham and say that would be a cool way to live. But when you live it for nine years and you're on the buses and you're, you know, you're playing a game on a, 
on a Thursday night in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you take a nine-hour bus ride and play on a Friday night in San Antonio, and you've got to engineer the whole thing. you got to set up the mics, the equipment, and you're by yourself, and you're running ragged, and, I mean, you're you're away from your family. I did all 142 games of the minor league schedule. So, um, yeah, those were low, wow. some low moments, especially when you're not sleeping and you can't sleep on the bus, and there's, you know, you're packed with 20 – six players and three coaches and a trainer and a, a strength guy. And so, you know, it's not like you've got a first class travel and you're flying a charter plane, you're jammed into a bus and just about half the time, the bus, the bus you left on wouldn't be the bus you showed up with. They would typically break down and it's the classic minor league setting, you know, and as much as I loved it and I love being on the air, but some definitely, and I even tried to quit at one point. I just, I was so fed up and frustrated um, that I wouldn't wasn't, wasn't getting a chance, and that's where the Golf Channel really was uh, a life preserver for me. I mean, to be able to break free and now end up on television, do all these events on TV. We were doing four days a week, 25 weeks a year. I was doing Q School, um, doing some of the smaller um, PGA Tour events, the the events that would go up against majors. So we did Jackson, we did Reno. Um, you know, those were really cool events for me to be a part of. And, um, yeah, I mean, those were, those were big moments that when you finally taste a little bit of that success and, um, you know, you realize it's all worth it. I, I will, I will tell you a story real quick because you mentioned Ben Wright is coming up later. So I can remember the first year I was with the golf channel channel, we were at the cliffs course doing the tournament there, the BMW uh, charity program is what it was called it's kind of the nationwide tours version web.com tour version of um, AT&T so the celebrities were there and Kevin Costner was there and you know there are a lot of athletes and actors and whatnot and so but Ben Wright of course designed the course and was our special host and here I am having never done golf having watched the Masters all those years and watched CBS and now Ben Wright's coming to the booth and he's going to call about an hour of golf with us, with me and Kurt Byram. And you talk about like feeling so inferior and ill-equipped. <laughs> and you know, so Bill Ben Wright is now calling golf, and I'm sitting there. Just a couple of months ago, I'm doing minor league baseball, and I'm sitting next to the great Ben Wright, who's calling golf in such a beautiful way. And I'm going, I I got to get out of this business. I can't do this. It's kind of the same feeling I had when I sat next to Ben Scully. You know, there's like certain certain people that you don't belong with on the air, and uh, that was one of those early moments. Like, I've got to go find another line of work because this guy makes it look too easy, and he's so poetic and beautiful. So, uh, yeah, that was a that was a memory, an early memory of uh, doing golf, where I felt like, wow, I have no chance to su- succeed in this realm. And Brian, you you talk about majors, and I know that uh, you're doing some work now. Brock, you you were uh, part of the team doing the PGA Championship. Talk about the experience watching that golf tournament and what you saw from Justin Thomas this year. Yeah, Justin Thomas was great, and uh, I worked with Billy Kratzer. We did the PGA.com coverage in the mornings, and then we were doing the TNT. So we Billy and I fit in between Vern Lundquist and Gary McCord and Dottie, and then Jim Nance and. Um, Peter Costas uh, on TNT. So we had the middle two hours on TNT. And I've done that the last two years. And, and Billy Cratchit had a great call this year because we, we can kind of do what we want on the, the dot-com coverage in the morning. 
uh, we were with the marquee group and which ends up on direct TV and.com PGA.com. But he decided he wanted to follow Justin Thomas. He felt like he was trending and said, let's usually we would follow the last group, but um, Billy encouraged us to jump on Justin Thomas and what a thrill to go around with him and watch every shot of his, his winning round, you know, uh, of the PGA championship. And I did it at Baltusrol two years ago and, that was a major career, career thrill for me because Jimmy Walker won at Baltus Raw. Jimmy Walker and I were together on the Nationwide Tour back in the day when I was broadcasting and he was playing and, uh, you know, he was a money list winner on the, uh, on the Nationwide Tour back then. And I was there when he met his wife and we, you know, we, we just have all this history and to be able to watch him and call his golf as he wins his first major, I was just like, man, it was such a great experience for me to be a part of. And, you know, there's nothing like a major and I'm, I'm really excited that I'm back in golf in that way. Would love to do more golf uh, at some point. And, you know, with working with Turner sports, that is always a possibility there. Um, they are certainly eager to do more golf if available, but yeah, it's been a thrill, you know, to watch these guys at the top of their game and, um, I just enjoy watching them hit balls, you know, on the practice. I, I, I find that batting practice in baseball and spending time on the practice tee is therapeutic for me. It just, just watching the rhythm of these guys who are performing at such a high level and able to do what they do. It's just, it's mesmerizing. And, um, to have the access that I have and be able to go get really close to these guys and watch. So, I do enjoy the broadcasting for sure. And it's, you know, it's a, you're so locked in the moment. You don't, there's, you're not really enjoying it. You know, is that understandable? I mean, you don't, it's not like you're going, this is so much fun. You're kind of like in it and you're basically, at least me, I'm saying, just don't screw this up. You know, it's not, it's not <laughs> like something you can sit back and enjoy. So yes, the games and broadcasting the games and the rounds of golf and the majors are fun or whatever game I'm doing, but it's really cool. The ancillary pieces around it to realize how lucky I am to do what I do and to be able to step onto the grounds at Wrigley or Miller park or Fenway park or Baltusrol or, you know, like last year in Charlotte at quail, just to be a part of that. You know, we walked around the practice round Ernie Johnson and I did with Bubba Watson, who was another guy that I followed and was with on the nationwide tour. And we are walking the practice round with Bubba and Justin Bieber. And like, we're literally walking down the fairways with Justin Bieber. And, you know, my daughter's 18 years old and she's losing her mind. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just hanging out with Justin today. And so those are the kind of experiences <laughs> that make you step back and go, wow, this is a really cool way to, to live your life. And I'm, I'm very blessed and very grateful. Brian, just a couple more before we let you go. And, and to the point you made a moment ago, now you've been with the Brewers for a number of years. I'm imagining you're, you know, you're establishing relationships with the players and deeply invested in, within the organization. When you're broadcasting, are, are you emotionally invested so that, you know, yeah, it's, it, it might be fun if you look back on it, but boy, I, I'm imagining it's exhausting between watching the game and doing, you know, doing your play-by-play and emotionally invested in the team and, and the outcomes of games. And when, when it's all over, when the game's over, that's got to be exhausting. 
It is. Yeah. I mean, if you've done it right, I think it is. I think it's like, um, it's like anything that you would do where that requires an incredible amount of concentration, you know, and there's a skill in that. There's a talent in that. For me, there's an art in that that I really enjoy and appreciate. And so, yeah, you're, you're invested in the game. I would say the outcome of the game matters more when you're working for a team. Like when I'm working for the Brewers, I, I want the Brewers to win. I still have to do a job and I still have to represent both sides. And, and, you know, if I'm on a Brewers broadcast and I'm, I work for the team and I'm paid by the team, everything is through the lens of the Brewers. So, you know, you, you're broadcasting that way consciously. And when you do a national game, you have to, there's, it's, it's easier than in a national game because you really don't care what the outcome is. You just want a good game and, um, you know, you're so focused on making sure you don't even think about the game in its entirety. You're you're really only working from segment to segment or timeout to timeout, whatever the sport calls for. But you're really only moving in those smaller circles, right, that, <clears throat> you know, what can you do in this circle to get to the break? And then, then you begin it again. And then now you start to add these layers together. So it, I try not to make it so big that I sit there and say, I've got to, what am I going to say for the next four hours? It never, it never comes to me that way. I just say, what am I going to say in the next three and a half minutes before we take a break or we go to a commercial or whatever it may be, you know, the time frame. So it's really important to keep that lined up in your brain and do the best you can with what you see and try to build those stories as they go and, Trust your ad livability, trust your vocabulary, trust all the instincts that, you know, that I have. And I feel like I've fostered all these years and it's, you got to trust it at some point. You can come prepared and you have to come prepared and you have to know where you're headed. But you really don't want to be pinned down to your prep or your notes. And you want you want to be able to free flow a little bit and be able to maneuver and move from one play or one meaningful moment to another and be able to recognize that. So that's kind of, yeah, you're exhausted at the end of the game or the end of the round because you're so completely focused on what is next, right? And that goes for everybody you work with, your partner, the analyst, the truck, producer, director, graphics, if you're doing television, all that comes into play. It's all one big symphony and you're you're kind of the last line of defense because your words are what are being spoken and you don't want to ruin it for everybody else. Brian, one more before we let you go. You've got the NBA on TNT coming up this week, Spurs Jazz. Talk about uh, your work for uh, TNT. I'm always looking forward to uh, watching the San Antonio Spurs play. I spent so much time in that organization, 12 years when it was all said and done, eight of them on the air. And so just to to be with that group and Greg Popovich and all the television folks are close friends of mine uh, to this day. And I just marvel at what they've done. You know, I was there for their first championship. That was my first year on the air, 99. That was my first um, season as a sideline reporter. And, um, you know, they won five. <laughs> it's hard to believe that little San Antonio, which was uh, forever the – you know, the redheaded stepchild just um, has now been one of the great franchises and a model franchise. Pop's going to the Hall of Fame. Tim Duncan's going to the Hall of Fame, of course, and they got two players in Parker and Ginobili that I was actually there when in their first day in training camp 
and they're still at it. I don't believe at 40 years of age. So they're always a pleasure. And um, to see Utah kind of come on, and they're very much in the Spurs mold, and Quinn Snyder's their coach, and he, he coached in the Spurs organization. He's got the Larry Brown coaching tree, which is connected to Greg Popovich, and uh, he coached the G League team for the Spurs, and very similar offense, trying to build their culture the same way, and they've got a great young player in Donovan Mitchell, who's got a chance to win the Rookie of the Year. So, um, always great to be in Salt Lake City. Going to get some snow tomorrow, so going to be a lot of fun to be here. And Greg Anthony and Allie LaForce and myself will have the call for you. Got to stay up late night though. That's a 8:40 local start here in the Mountain Time Zone to uh, get that one started. Brian, uh, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or over social media? Well, I, I'm, uh, I have an agent. I guess you could call him. No, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not into the <laughs> self-promotion. I, I, I'm all about, uh, I believe in the referee approach to broadcasting. Hopefully you don't hardly know that there's been a broadcaster there and hasn't ruined your experience. But, you know, I'm on Twitter and I do try to keep, I keep fans, mostly my family, updated on where I'm going to be and what games I'm doing. But between college basketball for Fox and BTN and doing the NBA on TNT and ultimately down into the um, to March Madness, you know, I'll be on on March Madness television, TNT or CBS or, or TBS. Uh, TBS has the home of uh, this year again to the Final Four. So I, I'm always around. I'm easy to find. <laughs> They they promote it heavily on especially Turner Sports, so you can always uh, find my name somewhere. So I'm just glad to be on that list. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me tonight. It's been fantastic getting to spend some time with you. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. I really enjoyed it. Anytime, my friend. You're always welcome to call, and if I can fit it in, I'm I'm always willing to do it. Thank you. All right. I appreciate that very much, Brian. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. All right. Same to you. Take care, Brian. That's the great Brian Anderson. Again, you can catch him uh, this Thursday night, NBA on TNT. You go back and you look at, you know, the work he did for PGA.com on the PGA Championship this year. You'll find him doing that, I'm sure, and for many years to come. And, uh, boy, you know, like I say, Keith Hirschland told me, you know what, there's no one better in the business. And getting just to spend a few minutes with Brian, I can see exactly why he said that. So thanks to Brian, and hopefully we get the opportunity to get back on the show again real soon. All right, before I get to my next guest, David Abelese, I want to give a shout-out to a few of our sponsors. First, I want to remind you about our friends over at SyncIt.com. You know how we like to keep things on the positive side here on Next on the Team, have a positive approach both in life and out on the golf course? Well, we're excited to be partnering with the folks at SyncIt.com. Keep putting that positive thought of sinking the putt in your mind with their great line of T-shirts and hats. To win any golf tournament, right, you got to sink the final putt. We wake up every day to finish strong, sink the putt, close the deal, work hard, get better each and every day. Have the confidence to push forward towards your dreams with unwavering passion, and you're going to sink it in life. Check them out online at SyncIt.com. And folks, have you heard me talking about Clubhub sensors over the last few months? If you haven't, listen up and get ready to discover the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. 
Take the progress that you make on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have club up sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips, and I can tell you, since I put club up sensors on my clubs, I have learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I have learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Not only do you get GPS di uh, distances to the hazards and to the green, but after your round, you can look back at images of the layout of every hole on the course that you just played and see exactly where you hit every shot. No other GPS tool in the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the Clubhub app does. It's available for Android or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing speed, of every club you got, right? Your tempo, your angle of attack, and so much more. Plus, you get a 3D view of your swing as well, and no other rangefinder can do all of that for you. Go online to clubhubgolf.com to order your Clubhub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT. That's N-E-X-T to get 10% off of all products at checkout. Again, Clubhub golf.com enter the coupon code next and you're going to get the best gps swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price and you're going to see your your game in a whole new way and folks this segment of the show is sponsored by the pga tour superstore this segment of the show is brought to you by the pga tour superstore see why golfers everywhere are proud to call pga tour superstore their golf pro shop visit them online at pgasuperstore.com now back to you chris And now back with me on the French Lake Resort guest line is the president and CEO of TaylorMade Golf, David Abelese. Let me remind you about David's background. He earned his degree in marketing and finance from the University of Connecticut. He joined TaylorMade as their general manager for the Asia-Pacific division and later moved on to be the director of sales for North America. Left TaylorMade for a while to go over to Titleist and the Akushnet Company to become their vice president of sales and marketing. Came back to TaylorMade as their executive vice president and general manager. He took over as their chief executive officer and president back in February of 2015. And I'm thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, David. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. Great to be back. Good to hear your voice again. I appreciate you. So, David, we're we're less than a week away now from Christmas, and you know, if we're still looking for a great gift for the golf enthusiast in our life, or we're looking to do a little Merry Christmas to me sort of gift, how can you help us out? What do you got for us? Well, my response to that, Chris, as always, will be a bit biased because if you're looking for something in golf, look no further than something with the TaylorMade brand on it. But uh, there's, um, gosh, there's such great, great stuff out in the marketplace right now for, for golfers everywhere. And I think about, you know, some of the things that we're seeing in high demand right now during the holidays, uh, personalized TP5 and TP5X golf balls, quite candidly, are one of the hottest items that we're seeing in our industry right now for golfers. Uh, and then, and then terrific products like Spider Tour SI putters that have an incredible uh, legacy of performance and have certainly lit the world of golf up through some of the greatest tour players in the world playing them. But uh, I love all the tailor-made products right now. And, and if you're looking for a gift for an avid golfer, they'll love every single one of them. See, so it's a it's a perfect win situation for both parties. And David, you mentioned the TP5 and the TP5X, and you know we've tested a lot of golf balls this year here at Next on the Tee. And the TP5, and, and, and quite honestly, the Project A golf balls are two of our favorites. Talk about the advances that you've made with those golf balls, and maybe is there something new that uh, we might look forward to in 2018? Yeah. Hey, Chris, you know, the golf ball business, and specifically the products in the golf ball category, 
uh, are ones that over time, uh, different manufacturers have had a challenge really driving performance differentiation from ball to ball. And a lot of amateur golfers uh, and tour players alike, up until really the launch of, of our TP5 products, really we're seeing just kind of nominal gains, but, you know, not incredibly strong improvements in overall performance. We've been working on TP5 and TP5X, and I think I shared this with you last year, um, for the better part of a decade, which is how do we really break the paradigm between optimizing distance off the tee for all players at every swing level and swing speed and not compromising short game spin and feel around the greens. And so if you think about that in the context of, you know, a lot of golfers will play or would like to play a hard Serlin golf ball off the tee. It doesn't spin a whole lot. It compresses. It goes pretty far. But you really don't want to chip and putt with it because you can't stop it and you really can't control it. Uh, however, you'd love to play a real softball around the greens, but you might be compromising distance off the tee. So that was really the problem statement for TaylorMade, which is, given kind of the innovation fabric of our company and a company that really breaks through with technology to improve performance for golfers, we said, how are we going to solve that? And after 10 years of work uh, and working on multi-layer construction and particularly five-piece construction, so we were the first company in the world to launch a five-piece construction golf ball, we changed not only the cover formulation to be able to deliver those performance attributes, but we changed the symmetry inside the golf ball to enable the golf ball to activate its core at different swing speeds. So the net effect is that now every golfer at every skill level can benefit from long distance off the tee and from short game spin and feel around the greens. And what you will see, just take it to your local pro shop or take it to a launch monitor, try the product, you'll see the ball actually launching higher, which is very different. And that's driven by a new dimple design and a new cover formulation and the activation of the core and a ball actually spinning less off of your uh, driver and long iron. So that's what you want, right? High launch and low spin. That's how things go further. That's how products go further. But around the greens, because we activate not only the cover, but the first layer or second layer mantle, we're getting a lot of spin on the product. So we were really, for the first time, and we've had good products, and there have been a lot of good products in golf for many years, have been able really to decouple that. And that's why players like Jason Day and Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy this year, uh, as well as Justin Rose, who arguably the hottest player on the planet right now, and John Rahm, this, this young superstar, uh, have all come into TaylorMade and have all come into the company. They knew we made great metalwoods and great irons. They came in many regards or have stayed with us in many regards because they love the performance of this new golf ball. So those are the five-piece construction stories that are really new and innovative to golf that have enabled our golf ball business to double over the course of the last 11 months, which is really spectacular because we have a, a nice golf ball business to start with. So we've got a, an extremely hot golf ball right now, not only on tour, but with golfers around the world. And then, Chris, you know, you mentioned the Project A. That, that's a three-piece urethane construction. It provides some of the performance qualities that I just described in TP5 and TP5X. It uh, doesn't get you all the way there, but it's really built around moderate to slower swing speed players that want the feel of a soft golf ball and can buy it at a kind of what we call a mid-premium value proposition because the construction is three-piece versus five-piece. So, you know, for the first time in my 15 years in all at TaylorMade, we have a golf ball lineup right now that is, in my opinion, the absolute very best in performance in golf. And, you know, golfers day by day are proving that out and they're buying it. So it's uh, it's a really nice situation for us right now. Yeah, absolutely it is. 
and you know and david clarify for for you know for the layman like me right so if i'm looking for the golf ball that is best suited for my game right you know maybe our swing speeds are you know are south of 100 miles an hour right 90 to 100 yep. something in that range how do i know if the if the tp5 the tp5x or the project a really is the you know the right golf ball for my game well, I'll make it real simple. It's a really good question. Uh, TP5 and TP5X are our most premium, best-performing golf balls for every player at every swing speed. The TP5 is for a slightly lower swing speed. The TP5X is for a slightly higher swing speed. So if you're 100 miles an hour and over, TP5X is typically the preferred ball of choice. If you're 100 miles an hour or less, or I should say less than 100 miles an hour swing speed, um, then TP5 is probably the right ball for you. So I want to talk to your club pro and get fit, but generally that's the best positioning. And then really the Project A is is urethane uh, at a value price. So you're not going to get the same performance qualities, but you'll get a great performing golf ball that's roughly $10 less at retail than what you would experience in TP5 or TP5X. And David, you mentioned a moment ago Justin Rose, and I concur with you. I don't. I'm not sure that there's anybody hotter right now out there playing that, than Justin Justin Rose. He's you know fresh off the win at the Indonesian Masters. He won the Turkish Open. He's already gotten a win in the wraparound season, right at the the WGC uh, back in October. Placed fifth at the Hero World Challenge. So we all remember how close he came, you know, at the Masters too. So I don't want to forget the great performance that he had yeah. there. But talk about working with Justin. Yeah, you know, each one of our superstars on our staff, and, you know, I'm really humbled because uh, we've got five of the top 12 players in the world that play TaylorMade right now, and then this other guy that's starting to make a bit of a comeback named Tiger Woods, who's also a TaylorMade guy. So uh, pretty exciting time for us. Justin, in particular, uh, is one of the real great talents in golf. Uh, he happens to also be one of the really great guys in golf. He's very bright. Um, just an incredible human being, been an incredible ambassador for our brand and our company for many, many years. Um, but Justin has this, has this conviction and this desire, uh, to ascend to the top player in the world. In fact, I, I spoke with him just a couple of weeks ago that he has a plan. He believes that he has the game and, and we do as well to challenge for that number one spot, which, you know, TaylorMade ambassador Dustin Johnson has right now. Um, but, um, but there isn't really any part of his game that that hasn't come a long way since he started playing golf but i look at him he's an incredible ball striker he's got one of the best golf swings in the world when you look at it technically he drives the ball straight he hits it far those are two pretty good things when you're driving the golf ball his iron play is so precise his wedge game is world class and now he's got the putter rolling and he's spent a lot of time on his fitness he's spent a lot of time on how he thinks about not only winning the events that he's won he's won three of the last ten starts uh, and finished high in the other seven uh, inside the top 20. Um, but his mindset's in a place where he's really managing uh, his game uh, to the golf course and has so much experience. I expect big things out of him in 2018. He's just primed for more major championships and in a run to, to what I think could challenge for, for the number one position in the world. And David, you mentioned Tiger Woods a moment ago. How excited are you guys about what you saw from him at the Hero Challenge? Well, I, I think the world, Chris, I think it's fair to say, and, and I'm sure all your listeners would attest to this, the world is excited to see Tiger Woods playing golf again. Um, and, I, and I'm not so sure anyone really knew what to expect other than Tiger, who's just filled with confidence right now. But um, we, were, we were excited to see him start. Uh, we were excited to see him play well over the course 
uh, of the, the four rounds at Hero. Uh, heck, he could have gone a lot lower than he did, um, but he's still, you know, there's still a little bit of rust on that. I mean, in fairness, he hasn't played competitive golf in roughly nine or ten months. Uh, so when you think about playing at that level and coming back and playing the way he did, it's a testament to his greatness. The guy is just, and I mean, he's, he's arguably, you know, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. Uh, I happened to spend a day with him last Friday down in West Palm Beach, uh, working on his game a bit, working on some new products from TaylorMade coming into 2018. And quite candidly, it was an absolute pleasure and an honor to be with him. Physically, he looks incredible. Um, he's pain-free. He's got so much speed, it's unbelievable. And that's the first thing you look for when any golfer comes back from their recovery, especially at that level, is do they have enough ball speed to compete with these young, talented players that are whipping it out there, you know, 300, 310, 320 yards? Uh, Tiger's ball speeds, as you saw on television, are north of 180 miles an hour. Um, and that's on a solid golf swing. We saw him ramp it up even more than that. So Tiger's got his speed back. Uh, he's got his feel back. Physically, he looks fantastic. More importantly than looking fantastic, he feels great, pain-free. And he is prepared to go out and, uh, and light the world of golf up in 2018. So uh, we couldn't be more thrilled with his return. Uh, certainly playing tailor-made, which was his choice, right? When one of our competitors got out of the equipment business, um, he came to us and said, hey, I believe in what you do, and I played your product uh, as an amateur. I want to be back at TaylorMade, and you'll see some of that, some of the content we created with him when we were together last Friday. But thrilled, absolutely thrilled he's back in the game of golf, and I think we're going to see great things from him uh, as he gets going in 2018. And David, you talk about new products for 2018. We're a little over a month from the PGA Merchandise Show. Can you give us a little peek into what you guys might be uh, featuring or debuting there? Well, I am absolutely sworn to secrecy by our marketing folks because I get so excited about what we're about to launch uh, in Orlando uh, that they really put the muzzle on me. But uh, I'll give you just a little bit of a peek uh, in the fact that we are going to launch a new Metalwood technology. Uh, that will change the way Metalwoods will be built, certainly from our company. And typically when TaylorMade innovates, the rest of the industry follows. And you can see that in almost every technology that's in market today it started here. And we're very proud of that because we invest heavily in advanced technology to help performance uh, and golfers perform better. We have got a new technology in Metalwoods that when you see it and when we talk about it, when golfers learn about it, um, we'll change the way Metalwoods will be built from the day we launch it forward. We will never build Metalwoods the way we have over the past 40 years into the next 40 years. And we've, we've really built a, a, a technology that's optimizing not only distance, but importantly, accuracy. And those two variables don't often come together. And now we're able to do it in our new Metalwoods. And we'll talk about it in more detail once we get to the PGA show. We've also got a new iron technology that continues to build on our leadership position uh, in our irons business. Uh, right now, as you've probably seen, and maybe some of your listeners are playing this, we have the hottest player performance iron in golf. It's called the P790. It's a forged hollow back cavity construction, uh, which really gives you a traditional shape in look in a forged iron and performs, you know, with a lot of distance and a lot of forgiveness. Uh, the guys on tour, in fact, you saw it in Dustin's bag in the long irons. You saw it in, in Rosie has it in his three and four iron right now. That's a, a rock solid product that's lighting the world of golf up. And then we'll have a couple new surprises that we'll share with the world come into January as well. So yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, Chris, and I always appreciate you having me on the show. It means the world to me. I have never seen a product lineup uh, like what we have coming in 2018 that really 
uh, will ignite this industry and get golfers really excited about putting TaylorMade in their bags. Well, David, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things that you and uh, TaylorMade are doing, whether it's uh, online or it's on social media? Yeah, perfect plug, Chris. You're the best. Uh, obviously, TaylorMadeGolf.com, you can get any news story from our company and certainly uh, better understand our products or our athletes and what they're up to. But whether it's via Facebook, Twitter, um, uh, Instagram, all of our, our social handles, all under TaylorMadeGolf, you'll find us. And there's such great stuff going on. And it's not just about product. If you really want to engage with our athletes and learn more about the game of golf and why those athletes are not only with TaylorMade, but how they think about their games and how they think about products, um, I think it's a great way to do it. And uh, we love to engage consumers and golfers at every level. And if you ping us, we'll actually respond to you right away. So um, I hope everybody gets a chance to see what's going on uh, and the social efforts uh, with TaylorMade. Well, David, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. I hope you'll come back soon. I'd love, love to get into all the great new technology and the things that you guys reveal at the PGA Merchandise Show, uh, get a little more detail and talk about uh, what's ahead because it sounds very exciting. I appreciate that, Chris, and uh, thanks again for hosting us on the show. We love your show, and uh, you do such a great service for the golf industry, golfers, and sport in general. In fact, I really enjoyed listening to Brian Anderson because I'm a big basketball fan as well. And, uh, you know, continued success in everything you do, and happy holidays to you and all your listeners. Same to you, David. Thanks again. We'll catch up soon. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family. Sounds great. Likewise. Bye-bye. See you, David. That is uh, TaylorMade CEO David Abeles, and boy, I tell you what, if, if you're not uh, chomping at the bit to see what they reveal at the PGA Merchandise Show, you might want to check your pulse because, oh my goodness, going to change the way that, uh, you know, woods are built. They won't be built the same way anymore. New metal wood technology sounds very exciting. The 790 irons also, we didn't get, uh, you know, into a lot of detail about them, but go online to TaylorMade and, uh, and check it out because uh, those irons look absolutely fantastic. So very excited about all the things that TaylorMade is going to be doing, the TP5 and the TP5X. Like I say, uh, we, we've tested a lot of golf balls here on Next on the T, and uh, you know the TP5, the TP5X, and the Project A golf balls, you know, are right there, one, two, three, in the in the golf balls that uh, that we recommend here on the show. So go check those out if you haven't played them yet. You're going to be you know pleasantly surprised about how great those golf balls are. And again, I can't wait to find out what uh, what TaylorMade has in store at the PGA Merchandise Show. We'll try to get David back on the show. Hopefully shortly thereafter. All right, we've got my next guest, Ben Wright, hanging on the line. We'll get to Ben after this quick station ID. Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors, join us every week here on Next on the Tee. Be sure to check out our guest schedule and all our podcast episodes on our website at nextonthetee.net. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Mr. Ben Wright. It is always an honor for me to get to spend some time with Mr. Wright. He is a man that I have revered for many years and for the wonderful way that he framed up golf for all of us on TV, you know, making the sport infinitely more more enjoyable for all of us to watch. Mr. Wright is also one of the great storytellers of all time, and you'll see further example of that if you pick up his book, Good Bounces and Bad Lies, available on Amazon.com, one of my very favorite books of of all time. He was the uh, the best at uh, broadcasting live golf tournaments that I have ever heard. No one before or since has done it even close to as well as he did it. I say this every time he joins me on the show because I don't want anyone to ever forget this. It was Ben Wright 
who used the phrase, yes, sir, to put an exclamation point on Jack Nicklaus's eagle putt on the 15th hole during the final round of the 86 Masters. He did that two holes in 20 minutes before Vern Lundquist used that same phrase in conjunction with uh, Nicklaus's birdie putt on 17. And when I was contemplating, who would I want to be my final guest of 2017? Mr. Ben Wright's name was right at the top of that list. And I'm so honored that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Mr. Wright. Thanks for coming back on the show. It's uh, it's absolutely a pleasure, Chris. Uh, I I can't tell you how much it's uh, it means to me to, that someone is interested in hearing from an old man who uh, is eighty five years of old uh, of age, and uh, I ca- I can't tell you how much it means to me to be with you because. Uh, I, uh, my love affair with the game is still is in high gear. Well, and to that end, Mr. Wright, I want to start off our time by talking about the renovations that you've done very recently with your course up there in uh, in South Carolina, Cliffs uh, Cliffs Valley. You did uh, a bunch of renovations with that go- with that uh, golf course. Looks fantastic. I went online to look around, and boy, it seems like you did a great job. Well, you know, it's an extraordinary thing, Chris. Uh, I've done quite a few golf courses, some in Europe and some here, but this is my baby, as it were. And after 22 years of fantastic growth, which, of course, you don't know in my home country uh, because there isn't that kind of growth, um, we were overwhelmed after 22 years by the trees and the shrubs. And uh, my superintendent, Matt Stevens, one of the greatest guys I ever had the good fortune to meet, said, you know, this this thing is, the whole golf course is being just overwhelmed by trees and shrubs, and it was the truth. And uh, he took out over a hundred major trees, which I had planted in uh, uh, 1993 and 94. They were about six feet high. Now they were 40 to 50 feet high. So you can, you you understand what I'm getting at. And, uh, well, we just, we went from Ben Grass on the Greens to champion Bermuda because uh, the heat in our area of South Carolina, I'm not, I'm not getting into the uh, the climate uh, controversy or, or, or any of that, but it is getting a little bit hotter, it seems. And my superintendent said, you know, now I've got champion Bermuda. The only uh, good thing about it is that we don't have to uh, water it. I don't have to fight uh, bent grass for the 12 months of the year. You know, it needs to be watered all the time. Champion Bermuda, almost none. 
So we've saved, it. Uh, I would say, 90% on the water bill. We also had 18 enormous fans, Chris, uh, to keep the uh, greens alive in the really hot months of July and August. And we don't have that electricity bill anymore. In fact, all those fans have been uh, sold. So, you know, it, it, it's you have to do this thing with a golf course, uh, I, I suppose, you know, every 20 years or so. And around the grand reopening of the course, after all the renovations were done, and you mentioned you're, you're, uh, you're 85 years old, they did something very special for you to celebrate your 85th birthday, didn't they? You know something, Chris? It was the most wonderful birthday of my entire life at the age of 85. The club and the wonderful people who run it, and I, I won't mention them because there are too many, but they decided to have the grand reopening on my 85th birthday on September the 9th. And uh, I arrived and my whole family from Greensboro were there, a total surprise to me. And um, uh, it was absolutely an in incredible thing for me. But um, one of the members had actually uh, got a, um, a, a, a stone plaque that he put alongside a new bunker I put in on the eighth hole which had a revetted face or, or a sod face. In other words, a solid wall. And uh, the, 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 the uh, stone read Ben's bloody bunker, which was <laughs> really quite lovely. But then um, I should have known I was going to be ambushed. I thought I was having a quiet dinner for 16 people in a private dining room and uh, I should have smelled a rat when I realized these lovely people uh, had sent a limo for myself and my family and uh, when I arrived they ushered me into the dining area and 100 180 people had showed up to honor me on my 85th birthday it was wow. truly extraordinary, and uh, I shall never forget it, obviously. But it was probably the best birthday of my whole life. And they had an enormous uh, birthday cake with green icing, and on the top uh, was a model of the eighth hole at Cliffs Valley, which has the new revetted face bunker. And that was right in the middle of the cake, so everybody had a everybody had a piece. It was truly one of the great moments of my life. 
Well, Mr. Rat, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, some of the things going on around the game now and uh, maybe a couple more memories as well. And, and one of the things I wanted to – the first thing I wanted to get your thoughts on and one of the newest changes that we've heard is about the elimination of viewers being able to call in and report rules violations. You know, the USGA and the RNA can still use video replays if they have a question regarding if a rule was violated or not, but TV viewers aren't going to be able to call in and report those. Do you think, is that is that the right thing to do? Is that a good change to get that out of the, the uh, TV viewers' hands to be able to, you know, call penalties? Chris, it's one of the greatest things that ever happened to the tours of the world. It's absolutely absurd that these idiot people should be able to phone in and influence uh, the outcome of a tournament. And no one more, uh, more grievously harmed than Lexi Thompson, who got a four-stroke penalty because some, some strange person phoned in. Uh, a day a day before uh, the the penalties were assessed. I mean, it's absolutely absurd. I think all the changes, Chris, that the governing bodies uh, have pr proposed and are, are making are phenomenal and wonderful for all of us. But the the thing that really bothers me is the fact that the ball flies so far. Something has got to be done. We've been saying it for years and years. We've got to throttle back the golf ball. Because these beautiful, wonderful golf courses are being made to look like munis. And uh, it's absurd. We've got to do something about it. And, you know, I listen to you gentlemen uh, from TaylorMade, and and I understand the the, the people in the industry they, they wouldn't be serving their shoulder their shareholders in, in in any decent way if they weren't making the ball go further and further with club and ball. But we've got to think about the future of the game. And the future of the game is endangered at the moment. And let's talk a little bit about equipment. And, and Mr. Wright, I know what a big fan of Ben Hogan you are, and, and, and we're proud to be partnering with the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment uh, Company now. Talk about what a perfectionist Mr. Hogan was and what you might recall about when he was uh, first coming out with his line of golf equipment. Well, uh, I, I, I can't tell you how much I admire the great Ben Hogan. Of course, I, as you, I've told you probably on this show a dozen times, I went absent without leave from my army unit to watch him win the 1953 British Open at Carnoustie, and it was it was something that changed my whole life, because I not only shortened my name from Bentley to Ben in honor of Mr. Hogan, but I decided that that when having watched him play every shot in practice and every shot in the championship, 
I had to spend the rest of my life around golf. And Mr. Hogan was so kind to me and so wonderful that I, you know, I, I, I tear up even at the thought of how much I admired him. He hit the ball. He had control of the golf ball more than anybody I've ever seen in a very long time observing golf. And, you know, while Nicholas, God bless him, was uh, a huge winner, and he had the ability to win, and he had the ability to conjure the shots that he needed to win, he never had the exact control of the golf ball that Ben Hogan had. In fact, of course, Nicholas was not really a very good short-time player or a very good chipper, so he had had to work to try and avoid those two chinks in his armor, which he did pretty successfully. And speaking of Mr. Nicholas, Mr. Wright, uh, I saw an article that you wrote that appeared in Lynx magazine, and in it you stated the greatest golf shot that you ever witnessed was the one iron that Jack Nicholas hit in the 1972 U.S. Open on the 17th hole at Pebble Beach. Does that still stand? Is that the greatest shot you ever saw? Yes, absolutely. We were standing there. I was standing with uh, an English golf riding uh, compatriot, uh, Pat Ward Thomas, uh, who was the golf correspondent of the Guardian newspaper in England. And he had a no background in golf, but he'd fallen in love with the game when he was a prisoner of war in the Second World War. He was one of the first bomber pilots to be shot down in World War Two, And he spent the rest of the war in Stalag Luft number 12, I think is the correct term. And the Red Cross enabled him to have golf books to read, and he became a, a, a golf writer because of what he'd read. And on that tee, on that occasion, when Jack Nicholas pulled out an iron, and the wind was blowing in his face at 40 miles an hour, I would say probably, uh, I mean, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but... It, it was blowing heavens hard, and uh, Pat said quite loudly, being uh, uh, an irascible kind of guy, said, he'll never get there with that. So uh, Nicholas gets over the ball, and he, as you well know, he hit it against the flagstick. It bounced back about three, four, five inches. Uh, almost a hole in one. And uh, Nicholas, I will never forget it. He never said a word to Pat, but I think he'd heard what Pat was saying. And all he did was he walked past us as he came off the tee was to give Pat a wink. And uh, he didn't need to say anything. It was uh, definitely the greatest golf shot I've ever seen 
under pressure. You know, I mean, we're talking about under the greatest pressure that a man can face. And uh, it was it was a very extraordinary experience that I shall never forget. And Mr. Wright, you know, I'm curious to get your opinion about today's players. When we look at, you know, Jordan Spieth and, you know, and Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy, Ricky Fowler, Dustin Johnson, all of those guys, you know, looking back, you know, uh, you know, a generation or two to, you know, when Nicholas and Player and Palmer and Billy Casper were fighting it out in the 60s and we've got these wonderful young players fighting it out now in, in this generation. How do, how do those compare? Does, does, it make it, does it make you harken back to look at, you know, hey, this was a young set of great players in the 60s that were coming up and were dominant and were great for the game and now we're sort of seeing a revitalization of, you know, a, a bunch of other guys that are going to be fighting it out what seems to be for another, you know, decade or so. I think, you know, it's, it, it's, it's invidious to compare eras. But I am absolutely thrilled by the young golfers of today, and most especially, probably, by the youngsters of America. You're talking about Fowler, Tom, you know, Thomas, all these kids who are just outstanding players. But of course, they've got the equipment that uh, my old compatriots didn't have. Uh, you know, we played with persimmon, and now they play with these damn metalwoods that really look unlike the golf clubs of the bygone era of of which I was a part. Um, but I, you know, I love it, and I think nothing is more wonderful. And the fact that the Americans are uh, coming up with a breed of youngsters that are going to keep them at the top of the tree. And, of course, with specific uh, reference to the Ryder Cup match, I cannot wait to see the next Ryder Cup match in Paris because I think the Americans have a very very good chance but they have so many young talented players and you know the game the game here went into the doldrums for a while with their inability to to win the Ryder Cup for so long but I, I think it's all it's all cyclical Chris and I think it's America's turn to dominate the world Mr. Wright, one more before I let you go. And one of the great friendships that I've been blessed to start this year is with Mitchell Lawrence. Um, he does a, a great golf podcast on his own called Talking Golf Getaways. And when he saw that you were going to be joining me tonight, he wanted me to pass along warm wishes to you. He said he's known you for about 30 years. So I wanted to be sure that I passed along Mitch's uh, warm wishes to you. Oh, how super. Uh, and I hope if you have a chance... Uh, you'll return my uh, absolutely best regards to him and his wife, Ewa, who uh, was, uh, of course, the great pool player of, uh, of ever, of all time, as the woman player. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love them both dearly, and 
I, oh, I'd love to wish them every good wish for the Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, but also to you, Chris. You've made, uh, made my year a much happier one uh, in being able to talk to you. I hope you have a wonderful holiday and every good wish for the new year. Well, I appreciate that very much, Mr. Wright. It's always such an honor for me to get to spend some time with you. You know, I don't know a better way, you know, to spend, you know, a Tuesday night or a better way to end our 2017 season than uh, than with you. Uh, like I said to you uh, prior to the show and, and during your intro, uh, when I was thinking about who my final guest of, of the year would be, there was no question I wanted it to be you because you mean a great deal to me. You mean a great deal to me on this show and you mean a great deal to me off of this show. I can't thank you enough for being as wonderful to me as you have been. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, it's a, it's my pleasure, and you must remember that, Chris. It's my pleasure. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And, Mr. Wright, I hope you'll come back again soon, and we'll talk about, you know, what's happening as we kick off 2018 and the things that are going on, because uh, I have such a great time every time I uh, have you on the show. Thank you for your time, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to uh, to you and your family. And same to you. Thank you, Chris. Take care, Mr. Wright. Take care. That is the... Uh, that is the legendary Mr. Ben Wright, and uh, folks, it just doesn't get any better than that. And uh, you know, there's there's no better way to to end a, a year than uh, by spending some time with Ben Wright and listening him to him uh, share the stories about uh, the things that he's doing in his great golf course again, Cliffs Valley, up in South Carolina, and uh, some of the memories and the things that uh, that uh, he weighed in on tonight. So uh, my extreme thanks to Mr. Ben Wright. All right, folks, before we close up shop for uh, not only this week, but, uh, you know, like I say, for 2017, let's go out uh, by hearing a word from our friend Jim Estes and the great things that they continue to do at the Salute Military Golf Association. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, folks, they continue to do amazing things there at the Salute Military Golf Association. To find out more information and to see how you can get involved, go online to smga.org. Also want to give a shout out to our friends over at the Bradley Putter Company. Folks, over the, you know, over the course of this year, you've heard me talking about the meteoric rise of the Bradley Putter Company from concept a year ago on Black Friday to one of the sensations at last year's or this still this year's, but at the 2017 PGA merchandising merchandise show. Well, 
Folks, I've got mine, and you know we are proud to be partnering with Bradley to promote their unique line of putters made from burl wood, and these aren't ornamental putters, folks. People are raving about the look and feel that the Bradley putters have. They are custom-made based on the shape and the color that you like. Mine is in black and yellow to support my Pittsburgh teams. Go online to bradleyputters.com to see how fantastic this new line of putters really is. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks once again to Brian Anderson, David Abeliz, and Mr. Ben Wright for joining me tonight, and I hope you all enjoyed the show as well. Please give me your thoughts. Check us out on our page on Facebook, Next on the Team with Chris Mascaro. Share your feedback there. Plus, if you've got a question for one of our future guests, please let me know. I'll be glad to get it on the show for you. Um, please also go online to check out our website, nextonthetea.net. That is where you can find who some of our future guests are going to be. We We've got it right there for you. Plus, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes from free from our site there as well. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live on Blog Talk Radio. Like I say, that show plus this one available as a free podcast from our website or uh, our great partners over at Podbean and on iHeartRadio as well. And Podbean, folks, if you haven't checked out Podbean, please go online to podbean.com or download their mobile app because they've got so many great podcasts from all kinds of genres. And uh, we are just very thankful that uh, they've been very good to us and featured uh, our show here next on the T plus our Thursday night tailgate show right there prominently in their sports and recreation section. Can't thank them enough for their partnership. Over on Thursday night tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days, plus giving us their insights into today's game as well. We also highlight two players doing great things in their community in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. Again, you can find that show online at next uh, ThursdayNightTailgate.com and on Podbean as well. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate it. We know you got hundreds of shows and podcasts to, you know, to choose from. We really appreciate the fact that you continue to make Next on the T one of them. We're going to be back with you on the other side of you know New Year's, so have a great Merry Christmas. Have a great holiday. Be safe out there. Until next year, hit them straight, my friends.